Hey, teachers, you're listening to The Thing We Do on Fridays with me, Brother Lawson, and Brother Wing. Good Frosty Friday to you, Brother Wing. Thank you very much. Happy to be here. The um, we, ha- we got listeners and watchers. However, uh, for some reason, our last, for some reason, it's my fault, I'm sure, but I don't know how I did this, but... Um, our the video version of our podcast which we recorded last week it didn't get uploaded on the mocar facebook page mm-hmm. and so we didn't have a lot of people clamoring saying hey where is the so it means one of two things it means everybody's listening to the podcast or nobody really cares about the thing that we do on on fridays for the week man you know i'm gonna i'm gonna do a hard commit on the former it's got to be the podcast. <laughs> They're all on the podcast now. Well, I know that I know that my mom uh, listens, and I know that your mom listens, and uh, I know there's somebody in Papua New Guinea that listens because they pop up on the thing. And so, you know what? Do you think if we if it's just those three individuals, is this podcast worth it? Hey, we're we're two or three are gathered. You know, together. <laughs> that brings back memories of my mission. I think I think every I think every prayer that was said in an investigator's house by the investigator mentioned that that phrase. So it's good. I like that. All right. Well, uh mom, sister wing, uh to this week, uh we have we've got first Nephi chapters eleven through 15 really and so we have a we've got an assessor learning activity on thursday as well as a doctrinal mastery review uh activity and so we're going to start in first nephi 11 today and this this is kind of cool because last week your students were introduced to lehi's dream and we talked a little bit for those of you who listened we talked a little bit about um uh about Lehi and this vision and maybe considering letting your students consider some of the symbolism that was in Lehi's dream. Now we get to know what the Holy ghost is going to teach. And just as a side, just as a side note, this, I think in the the book of Mormon for teachers who, if you really want to improve as a teacher, which I know that we all do if we're teaching, I think I think these chapters are pretty instructive teaching chapters. So you you could do some scripture feasting yourself, teachers, as you read this week and prepare. You could ask questions like, what does Heavenly Father want to teach me about teaching? And see what you can learn in these chapters. I I, I really like these chapters from a perspective of trying to improve as a, as a teacher. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's so many things in here about teaching and learning that would yeah. really connect with what we're doing in seminary. All right. So let's start in first Nephi uh, chapter 11. The, uh, I also mention another side comment, you know, in this, in the teacher's manual where they have the overview for the week, they have the overview of all the chapters. Usually there's like a, an explan explanatory paragraph or two at the beginning of that overview. Remember teachers, when you are doing uh scripture feasting, Establishing the context of the chapters is super important to help your students get their feet planted and and kind of get the lay of the land. Those introductory paragraphs in um, 
in the the over the week overview, those are great just to read directly to your students. So you'll see, like for example, the overview for First Nephi eleven through fifteen. That paragraph starts off as Nephi conversed with heavenly messengers. He had a vision of the Savior of the world. So just reading that, and and really, now I'm not telling you to do this, but you could do this. You could read that paragraph every day that you do scripture feasting. So it reminds your students where they're at. That's a super important part of, of scripture feasting. Mm -hmm. All right. With that said, bro, Wing, get us into first Nephi 11 and, uh, and teach us something good here that we can. Okay. <laughs> All, right. All right. I'll take it. I'll take it. Um, chapter 11 is fantastic and it's very deep. And so, you know, as I think about teaching this and helping students to get prepped and warmed up and not just ready to study the scriptures, but ready to mm -hmm. kind of sense what's going on here with this vision. I mean, it is, this is profound. And I think it would require pondering, you know, to, to get ready for this. So one idea uh, to help the students here is to kind of go back to what they were talking about with chapter 10. Perhaps they did, you did a pretty good scripture feasting with the second half of chapter 10 and how Nephi is expressing his desires to know the things and so perhaps the students would then connect to say like, what's something you want to know, you know? And I don't know that we want to like suggest, you know, Hey, you go pray to get Lehi's vision you know, or something mm -hmm. like that. But, I mean, that would be interesting, of course, or to see an angel or whatever else, but students have other questions that are more forefront on their mind that are probably what the Lord wants them focused on anyway. Um, questions that they have about life, goals that they want to accomplish, um, testimonies that they want to deepen or strengthen or receive at all. And so they they probably have something that's Nephi-like here, that they're like, I want to know truth like my bishop knows truth, or I want to understand the scriptures better, or I want to be able to get answers to my own questions, or I want to be confident in life about uh, these things. So there's a way that they can liken what Nephi's doing and apply the exact same principles that Nephi's applying um, that are described in chapter 10. But then chapter 11 is how it plays out. You know, like right. how does he actually act? You know, we, we talk about taking intentional or effective righteous action. Well, this is how it's done. So watch it, students. Watch Watch how Nephi does it and then watch how he's taught um, the gospel here. So I know that's a little bit of a long setup. You can probably do it much more efficiently than what I just did um, to kind of connect 10 to 11 and help the students connect to a question that they have and how they can get their own answer. And hopefully they would be inspired about the effort to try to find their own answer. But if I could get my students to really study First uh, Nephi 11 verses 1 through 23, you know, and maybe it's just to read it, or maybe it's to, it, it's not that long of a chunk, even though it sounds long, and really seriously consider about learning, like, how do you get answers for yourself? How do you learn by the Spirit? And what do these verses teach you? Then let them go in there, feast on at least that first part, to, to and I would maybe break it up and pause them at verse 23. And then go back and say, okay, what'd you find? How did you, what did you learn about learning? 
there. And there may be some other questions that you could ask them, such as why does the spirit ask Nephi the questions that he asks in verses two and four, you know? Yeah. Um, perhaps you could talk to them about what, what does this tree really mean? Like what, what do you, th what are you thinking here about this tree? Because I mean, the tree symbolizes Christ. It is the son of God, you know? Um, and maybe they'll, maybe they'll catch that, you know, start to sense that. Um, why do you think when he goes to look at the spirit in verse 11 and 12 there, he goes to, the spirit says, look, and, but then he looks to look at the spirit who's talking to him <laughs> and the spirit goes away. Gone. Right. Yeah. Why, why, why can't he see the spirit? Why does he, why does the spirit leave? And then he's taught the rest of the time by an angel that appears, you know, what's going on there. What do you think students? You could even say, um, about, about Nephi's question or the, sorry, the, the angel's question, knowest thou the condescensions of God? And what do you think about Nephi's answer, you know, with that? And what is the condescension of God? What does the word condescension even mean, you know? And the teacher manual helps you out there, which is there's a great definition um, in there. Another great question that's just kind of a, an overview question too is, how is Nephi taught the interpretation of the tree? Because that's what he says he wants, you know? And because in verse 10, what desirest thou? And verse 11, to know the interpretation thereof. And so how is he taught the interpretation? This is, this I think is the, if you only do one question, that might be it to just kind of really center them on learning. Cause then if they can pick up on the fact that how he's taught the interpretation is not just, Oh, you want to know the interpretation? Well, let me just tell you. And then it's done. Right. That would be, you know, like, like a stand and deliver type teaching, which doesn't actually bring it into the heart. There's a reason why Nephi's taught the way that he's taught and how he gets his answers. And that's how our students and ourselves, how we get our own answers too, is kind of this format that's here described in chapter 11. I love that. I think I was thinking about that, just that first verse in, in first uh, Nephi 11, asking a question like, um, what did Nephi and the Holy Ghost do to prepare Nephi to learn uh by the spirit. So as they read verse one, that might be a little bit awkward of a question. You might be able to tighten that up, but um, as they read verse one, they will, they'll notice that Nephi had this desire that he believed that he could receive a revelation and that he pondered, he sat pondering, but then what the Holy ghost did to help him was the Holy ghost took him to an exceedingly high mountain uh, that he'd never been before. So it's this new place. He's in this new, uh, he's in this new setting, and which creates a bit of a readiness. Like, okay, I'm awake now. I'm, I'm in a spot that I don't know, and uh, and it and it makes him ready. Sometimes even there's a practical things we can do in our seminary classes. I think some some people call this snowballing, where one day you just change, and maybe you do it for um, this lesson, but you change the way that. The students sit in class, right? So they come walking in the class and they'll be like, whoa, let's go up. Today's different. I, what, like, why are we doing this? Right? They're immediately, they immediately have questions like, what's going on? Uh, and so they, they, you can talk a little bit about that. Sometimes 
sometimes the Lord put, puts us in new circumstances so we can learn new things. Um, but I think that one of the ways I might approach scripture feasting is, is by asking, like, uh, I want you to read, I like verses 1 through 23, what does Nephi do to acquire spiritual knowledge? And what do you learn about the characteristics of the Holy Ghost? Oftentimes we talk about the characteristics of God and Jesus Christ. And the Holy Ghost has the same ones, but the Holy Ghost has a specific job. It might be interesting for your students to, to note what does the Holy Ghost say? What does the, uh, what does the Holy Ghost do that would help us learn about him, uh, how he communicates and how he teaches? And, and so that might be a, a good thing for your students to explore in, in first Nephi chapter 11. Yeah. And I really like how you emphasize verse one and the desire that he has. I mean, we talked mm -hmm. about that before, but the desire, belief, and pondering, that's really, those are three in, interesting steps about learning for yourself. And sometimes it's our desire that stops us from learning new things. Right. And then sometimes it's the, it's our beliefs. Like we just don't believe, you know, that the Lord uh, will give us this or that he is able to do. I mean, that's what's specific about Nephi. He put the, put the pressure on the Lord. I believe that the Lord was able to make them known unto me. Like he yeah. has the power to speak to me. He can communicate to me in a way that I can understand. He can help me. Like I know he can do this. So he has the faith to then act and do something like ponder. Mm -hmm. So pretty good. Yeah, it seems like those are almost pillars of learning, right? You you have to have a desire, you have to believe that you can learn, and then and then you have to put some effort in, like that pondering. And if one of those three pillars isn't in there, then it's going to be really hard to learn. So, so what do you do here, brother Wing? Here's your question of the day. So, what if you're teaching seminary and you sense that there's a kid in your class that just has no desire to learn? Like they got no desire to be there. They have no desire to learn. What does a teacher do in that situation? Yeah. Okay. So first of all, I love the question, by the way, but first of all, you keep going, like you keep scripture feasting. Mm -hmm. And so um, it could be that uh, you need to incorporate some um, types of scripture feasting that are a little easier, you know, mm -hmm. maybe one verse scripture feastings or one minute scripture feastings that are really interesting and really applicable and relevant, but really short, you know, and seem really doable to that particular student. Other students might be like, this is really easy and they may not, they may want to go more, uh, but that's, you might want to just draw in that student that way. Plus another thing that you can do is get a strong student with that student who wants nothing to do with it. A lot of times that can, that can help them, but the consistency is at all. Like, even if you don't feel like, I don't know if I'm still connecting with this student or I don't know how to totally reach this student, but the consistency is going to be there. If the students there consistently in seminary, they're going to see this more often. They're going to hear students commenting more often. They're going to know that they have this opportunity every single time, you know, and your own testimonies about uh, the word of God are going to have impact over time on that student who's there physically present with you um, every day. And, you know, that's another testimony that you're giving teachers when you, when you consistently show faith in the word of God, that our attention and our interaction with the word has an effect. And so you keep going with this. That's a testimony all by itself, you know, that you're not going to punt 
you know, and, and just go with fun activities that are outside of the scriptures or beat around the bush, but you're actually going into the text every single time you're giving them opportunities to go into the text directly. And that, that speaks a lot of confidence um, about it. One more thing is you could just say, like, take verse one, chapter 11, verse one, and give them those three pillars, like you called them, Brother Lawson. Say, what if that's how we just did scripture feasting every day? Like, this mm -hmm. is kind of our pattern here. We desire to know things, you know, and we believe that God can speak to us. So we're going to feast. Like, we're really going to take this seriously and work at this and get into scriptures and practice this and talk about the experience. We're just going to do this every day in seminary. That's our scripture feasting verse. Right. That's a great scripture feasting verse. So another thing to consider, I think, with this is with these particular chapters, 11 and 12, where Nephi starts to, uh, he sees Lehi's dream and he starts to get an interpretation. He wants an interpretation of the dream. We, we go from maybe you know, reading Lehi's dream and thinking kind of water skiing on top to maybe looking at the, um, what the, what the Holy ghost and what the angel is, is teaching Nephi about what these symbols mean, uh, to a snorkeling type level. But then one of the things that we can do is we can go even down deeper into the, the scuba level where we at, we have the students analyze those symbols and what they mean. Like, for example, why is the love of God symbolized as a fruit on a tree? Why is the iron rod, the word of God, why is the word of God symbolized by an iron rod? Um, and, and let them kind of consider and think about symbols and have them share what they feel and think, and they might receive some revelation. So um, as they consider why is that the interpretation? Why is the why is the river of water? I mean, the, just you could talk about the river of, of filthy water for a, a while, right? Where does it come from? How's it get filthy? And why why is it a river, right? And just let them kind of think about and talk about that for a while. I think that might be a fun uh, way to do scripture feasting for eleven and twelve, actually. Yeah, I really like you know if. if I don't know how much time that would take when you do a feasting on verses one through 23 and talk about learning for yourself and what this mm -hmm. teaches about learning. But um, I mean, I'm assuming you might have some time to then go 24 yeah. to the end of the chapter. And I would then say, okay, like he sees Christ in his ministry. So let's read this. What, is, what do you notice that he's seeing about Christ? Right. You know, one other point is that this angel just keeps saying, look, Yes. Yeah. And I looked good teaching skill. That's that's that is, again is what I would describe as scripture feasting. Like that's what we're saying with our students. Like we set up a good study. Now look, you know, students, what do you see? And what do you see? You know, there and if they if they will do like Nephi and look to the text, look to what's going on here, then they can be edified. Right. Excellent. So is there anything I, I like the idea, like I just shared for uh you know, continuing 11 and 12 together where they they look at the interpretation of the dream and consider, um, you know, why the vain imaginations and the pride of the world is symbolized as a large and spacious building. Why mm -hmm. is it just not a spacious building or a large building? Uh, just let them kind of 
mull that over. Is there anything else you would do in chapter 12? I know that on our schedule, it doesn't really show up there. It's um, on our pacing guide, but that doesn't mean you have to skip it. Right. I mean, you at least want to summarize it because I think I think it's really important that they get some of the content of 12, at least the, at least the story connection here that he's seeing in vision, the Savior. And then in 12, I mean, it's just so happy. Like he sees the Savior, right? And he understands this. And yeah, there's worldly challenges. He talks about the building at the end of chapter 11. But then in chapter 12, everything's going to be happy, right? And it's just kind of sad. I mean, this is really really sad. He sees his own people dwindle in unbelief. These are his grandkids, you know, and, and it's, so it's really upsetting. So that's got to be difficult. And then we, then we learn about the mists of darkness, right. And, and what's going on here. So he's, he's still teaching us about life and about the world through, and his, and he's learning it through this vision as well. But I think, I think that's important then to see like, there's problems, there's difficulties, there's challenges, there's confusions. And then that sets up a really effective study for chapter 13. Right. Excellent. Excellent. So tell us about chapter 13. I mean, we got, we got Columbus making appearance here and we might, you might, what happens if we get upset that Columbus is in the book of Mormon and it says that he's being, that the spirit worked on him and he was this terrible guy (laughs) Uh, or so the history books tell us these days. What do you, What's your answer to that, Brother Wayne? I don't know. I don't even, I'm just going to leave Columbus. I don't leave even him. want to judge him. Like, I don't want to judge Columbus. You don't want to judge Columbus? You want to eternally judge him? I'm leaving that out. I'm going to leave that to God. <laughs> and uh, if God can work upon me, then he can work upon Columbus too. <laughs> so I'm okay with all of that. And and uh, there's much bigger things to talk about. In chapter 13. Okay. Like what? Like what could be bigger to talk about <laughs> than Columbus and the controversy surrounding his colonization of the American yeah, world? Like the whole point of the gospel <laughs> and and the and this book. Like the, the title page said that you will know the covenants of the Lord, ah. not cast off forever. And then here comes chapter 13 to really focus on why this is so important. You know, students, you could say. You got like all these great Christian people that you go to school with and you all these good, these really good churches that believe in Jesus. And why, why us? Why the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints? Like, why would this be so important? You know, why don't we just be like all the other Christian churches and just do good stuff like they're doing good stuff and they live good lives. And, you know, what's, why is this such a big deal? Right. Chapter 13 has some legit answers for you. I mean, it's going to take a lot of work to get those answers out of chapter 13, but they are there. I like that. You know, it's interesting. The uh, I was thinking about this as we, we read about the plain and precious truths that are, that are taken away from the, from the Bible. We read about the great apostasy. I think that is, um, I think that's one way that I started thinking about it was, I mean, it's, uh, it's amazing to me how how much revelation and inspiration I can get from the Bible because the Bible we know has gone through just just quite a rigmarole of a history, right? Until it's come down to us now. But I think one of the things, one of the plain and precious truths that's been taken away from the Bible is that 
the approach that people take to it now isn't about covenants. It's, it's, you know, life lessons or, or counsel or advice, but really the, the old and the new covenant, uh, this was a book to remind us the Bible was written to remind us of the covenant that God had made with Israel. And so when we read it with a different lens on, like, I'm just want to get some inspiration today. Um, then we miss the message the same way with the book of Mormon. If we read it and we think, oh, the, the reason why I read the book of Mormon is, uh, to, to draw near to Christ. That's a good reason, but the, there's other reasons that are listed. In fact, there's reasons listed before that reason, right? On the title page of the book of Mormon It's like you said, to remind us of, of covenants, the promises that God has made to us and the promises that we make to, to God. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a really good perspective and kind of framing of what's going on here. Um, I, I, this is a lot. I mean, the chapter 13 is long, you know, those yeah. 42 verses. Um, and so, but it's, it's one of those things where I sort of have this, I don't know if I'm crazy on this, but if I could somehow fire up my students to be like, do you think you could read this whole chapter? <laughs> like, what do you think? Is this, does this seem crazy to you students? Like, you know, to go 42 verses and, and these aren't like, I, I wouldn't say that chapter 13 is a particularly easy read, you know, like maybe other chapters are when they're telling a story or something. I mean, this is kind of telling a story, but it's, you got to kind of process a lot of information. We might want to prepare the students beforehand to say, let me just define some words here, like Gentiles, you know, and, and uh, you got, and that's a word that's even difficult, even when you take a simple definition. I don't think that's quite adequate to give it a simple definition because there's a couple of definitions. You can say there's Jew and Gentile. So you're either of the covenant house of Israel, Jews, that's Jews. And then everyone else is a Gentile, right? Because you're not. But there's also, when you think of today, you've got these Gentile nations. And so you could refer to people who are actually of the house of Israel, like, you know, um, but they are of a Gentile nation. So they could also be called Gentiles right? In nation sense, but as a personal sense, they are of the house of Israel. And so you got to kind of take all that into consideration. Um, and I don't want to confuse the students uh, at all, but this, but if they could just read with the framing of this is going to help me understand why the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is so important and why right. the work of the latter days is so meaningful and why president Nelson says the greatest thing going on in the earth is the gathering of Israel. How does all this make any sense? Well, chapter 13 will help you to make sense of it. Yeah. You consider what happens, what would happen if, you lost sight of that, like the, the gathering of Israel through the making and keeping of covenants. What if it wasn't a thing? Like for most Christians, I mean, that's not a that's not a thing, right? It's it's kind of our deal. Um, what would if if your life wasn't centered on covenants, then it probably would be centered on if you're a Christian, it probably be uh, centered on the grace of Jesus Christ, which the grace of Jesus Christ is what saves us, and so. Um, and you are beyond, like, you don't earn the grace. You grace is a free gift given when we accept Jesus as our savior, then, then what works would be required of me? What, uh, would, 
I mean, even some, even all the way down to church attendance. If our if our students understand covenants, then they understand why we do the things we do, like go on missions, why we drive distances uh, to go to the temple, like Brother Wing had, drives almost fifteen minutes to go to the temple, and uh, and we we do all of these things. And I'm not saying other Christians don't sacrifice and do things like that, uh, do really difficult and amazing things, but but we recognize that there that we are involved in a work alongside our Father in heaven that He is uh, that He wants us to be involved in with Him. So excellent. Yeah. Anything else on chapter 13 we want to say? Well, I just want to say that. Um... If I break my covenants to not honor the laws of the land, I can make it to the temple in about 12 minutes. Are you serious? In in theory, you know. Man. Yeah. <laughs> and then you just, then they, I'm going to, you know what? I'm going to have them put up a picture of you right there at the recommend desk at the Bentonville Temple. And that's going to be the 16th temple recommend question that the, the <laughs> nice old lady at the desk is going to ask you. Brother Wing, did you speed on the way to the temple yeah. today? No. Why would I do such a thing? You yeah. go outside and pull weeds for a while and think about what you did, and then maybe <laughs> we'll let you in the temple. Yeah, oh, that's good. That's good. <laughs> I deserve it. All right. Uh, let's look at First Nephi chapter 14. Um, again, we continue on... Um, with we the main thing we want to talk about is what is the church of the devil right <laughs> oh yeah i forgot that that's the thing that's, we want to talk about there yeah that's what our students when they go home from seminary we want them all to be able to identify what is the church of the devil is there anything else we want them to learn in 14 in chapter 14 i mean really <laughs> again there are maybe other things that are more important to even talk about than that okay <laughs> That, that's there. But uh, with all of this, I want the students to recognize that what are you learning about Christ? There's there's ups and downs. This is kind of a roller coaster vision that Nephi's having. And so what do we learn about the Savior uh, that's really here um, in this? And so the fact that he is calling apostles and teaching the people and providing covenants. I mean, you talked about his grace and that sometimes that we could kind of get off track. We definitely will get off track if we don't understand covenants and focus on them. But covenants are part of his grace, really. Now, this is how he is extending. He will save us by his grace, and he's going to provide so many things in the process of doing that. Scriptures, prophets, uh, priesthood authority, covenants, temples, you know, churches, all of that. And so these are, this is how he's going to extend his grace, and we can see more of that happening amidst the conflict and terrible war that's going on. So it goes, it's almost like to me, this vision goes happy and then sad. There's problems, you know, and then it's like, wait, but there's this restoration, you know, and plain and precious things are going to be restored. And so it's happy again with 13 and then 14, we recognize, but there's going to be this conflict, you know, and the, there's this battle uh, going on. And yet through it all, the Savior is there to give us strength and hope um, in this. So that's where I that's where I see kind of fourteen going and concluding that there's yeah. there's hope. What do you think about this quote to start off Scripture feasting in 
chapter 14, um, October 22 general conference. That's that Sunday where you go to church and nobody's there for the way it's because everybody's home watching general conference and president Nelson, October, uh, 2022 said this in coming days. And I maybe, maybe teachers, you would just write this quote on the board or put it up where they can see it. Uh, in coming days, we will see the greatest manifestation of the Savior's power that the world has ever seen. But just let that just kind of wash over your brain for a second. Then he says, between now and the time he returns with power and great glory, he will bestow countless privileges, blessings, and miracles upon the faithful. I think you could do some scripture feasting on that quote before you jump into 1 Nephi chapter 14. And as you jump into 1 Nephi 14, you might simply say, look for the manifestations of the Savior in the last days that uh, Nephi prophesied, or that, that Nephi sees and prophesies of here. Uh, and just have them look for some of the cool things that happen because people choose to believe uh, in the Savior. And uh, some of the blessings that come into their life because they choose to believe in the Savior. I love that quote by President Nelson. Mm. Yeah, that's really good. That's a great way to set up a, a good, solid feasting there. Excellent. Excellent. Um, I have a question for you, Brother Lawson. This is probably. I've got an answer for you. Have I? I've got a doctorate degree, so I should be able to answer <laughs> whatever question this is. All right, Dr. Lawson, this is probably something we should have talked about before we started the podcast, but let's just talk in front of our teachers here for a second, which is, I guess, what this podcast is. I'm surprised we didn't talk about it before because our our preparation meeting before these podcasts is quite extensive, which yeah, I'm okay, sure so teachers I looked, I looked through the teacher manual content for this week, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. I was the one that made this little pacing guide based on the way that the teacher manual broke down yeah. these five days. I'm I'm curious to know where we teach First Nephi 15. Did I miss something? Uh, well, in the I think it does the teacher's manual skip 15. It appears to. Did yeah, it? Yeah, I remember seeing. Actually, I do remember. Um, I was looking through the teacher's manual also and noticed that chapter 15 wasn't there. And so obviously that's a signal from the church that chapter 15 is not important. Is that the, <laughs> is that the answer? Is that the correct answer? Uh, that cannot be the answer at all. Not even close. So, all right. So here's my idea. <laughs> yeah, because chapter 15 is legit. Yeah. I don't know why it's not in the teacher's manual. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't so, write the manual. Okay. All right. So here's here's a couple of ideas for you, teachers. Uh, Brother Lawson and I have just kind of overviewed chapters 11 through 14, which one week alone is not justice to those chapters, you know. But if our students can get in there, do a little feasting, uh, get a good overview, feel more comfortable with those chapters, but even more that they can feast on at least parts of those. Um, and understand that Nephi had this profound vision and understand how crucial covenants are to our uh, our lives, that's that's going to be a great success. So whether you do that in two days, you know, possibly uh, January 22nd, 23rd, you could cover maybe 11 through 14 right mm -hmm. there. Or maybe you take three days to do that. 
Um, but if you took three days to do it, then let's say on January 25th, you see that assess your learning one, maybe that's where you combine the assess your learning one with first Nephi 15 might be a good way. Oh, that's a good idea. Uh, because I do have a little feasting idea for 15 that I think is, is worth considering. Um, here. All right, you share yours and then I'll share mine and then our teachers can report back who they think is better. Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> I like it. We'll vote on Facebook. <laughs> All right. So uh, have your students identify first just the, the hard things that Nephi faces in those first seven verses. And, you know, again, review, like he just saw the destruction of his people. Yeah. Like, this is tough, you know. And so what does he return back to camp? Two, and then look at those first seven verses and just write down this, the hard things that Nephi's facing right here at this moment. So you could maybe make a list of that on the board, uh, the things Nephi's facing that's difficult. Then do the same thing for your students. Like students, let's pause from the scriptures here for a second. What's What are some hard things generally that you're facing? Don't be too personal here. You can speak generically or you can kind of speak in a this is generally what teenagers today, these are some tough things that teenagers face, you know, but maybe get a list of things that are going on that are typical or um, or that they're facing that aren't too personal that you can actually also write on the board, you know. And if the, the students can do like, for example, I wouldn't want to push the students to say anything too personal, but they might say family challenges and not go into detail, you know, stuff like that. Write those on the board. So now you got two lists of very difficult <laughs> things going on that they're facing. And then let them go from verse eight on and just be like, let's pretend that here's our solution, you know, to this. And now go feast from verses eight on. What do you see that's taught here about um, dealing with difficult things, you know, and trials of life and solutions to problems and really let that be the focus of your of your study and then as the students then share what they found in their feasting you write those things or they write those things yeah or to be even better that they can come up and like write a little note whether it's a phrase or an actual uh truth with a that's a complete sentence or something like a principle that they learned but they can come up and write and describe and now you've got really two lists on the board, really hard things that are going on. And then you've got some scriptural solutions. And maybe then you can kind of like make some connections between specific things on the hard side and then with the yeah. on the right. And that might be an interesting way to study chapter 15. And then also kind of bring in some relevance for the students that they can actually see that the principles that Nephi applies and teaches in chapter 15 and that, and his descriptions, even of detail of the vision that he got, these really do help us with today's problems. All right. I'm not going to share my idea. <laughs> I like your, I like your idea. It's a really good idea. I'll share my idea. Um, my idea was this again from President Nelson, same year but different talk. I don't know if you remember he gave a YSA devotional, um, and I think he even referenced this chapter and he talked a little bit about like why Laman and Lemuel were the way that they were, 
And one of the things that he, one of the things that he encouraged all YSAs to remember, he said, there are three truths that, that will, that affect Laman and Lemuel uh, and will affect you. And you need to always remember these truths. And the three truths were everyone will die. Everyone will be judged and everyone will be resurrected. Right. So I might for scripture feasting, um, I might just write those three truths on the board and, and then just have them read chapter 15 and have them look for how did remembering those three truths bless Nephi or, or affect the way that Nephi acted and thought, how did these three truths, um, not remembered help, uh, or contribute to Laman and Lemuel and their struggles that they're having. It's interesting to me in, in, First Nephi 15, the, the tree that Laman and Lemuel are the most concerned about is not the tree of life, but the the natural branches of the olive tree. They're, hey, tell me, we want to know more about that tree. Uh, and uh, and this river. Yeah, what's this this river that you're the you said it's filthiness? Why is it filthy? What's the what's the problem? And what I like about I like about Nephi, and you pointed out, I mean, Nephi has just learned that his people are going to be destroyed and Laman and Lemuel's people are going to going to keep going. And so I can see him coming out of this going, oh, my gosh, what? You know, and and the first thing he sees is, you know, that as soon as he has strength, he says his, he goes to his brother and he's like, what are you guys arguing about? And and he goes from that that kind of feeling I could be reading Nephi wrong here in the first seven or eight verses, but he goes from that to all the way to verse 25 when he says, I did exhort them with all the energies of my soul. All right. That's a, that's a sign that Nephi believes to me. He believes in that everyone will be, will die, be judged and be resurrected because he's not given up just because his posterity is going to be wiped out. He's still with all the energies of his soul He's trying to help Laman and Lemuel. He's like, maybe if I can, maybe if I can teach Laman and Lemuel something, maybe it will bless their posterity. I mean, Nephi has an eternal perspective because he knows everyone will be, everyone's going to die. Everyone will be judged and everyone will be resurrected. Laman and Lemuel have forgotten those three truths. And so it's difficult for them to see past the end of their nose, unfortunately. <laughs> so, yeah. That's a really cool way to study this chapter. Also, it's it's so this is a big chapter, and I yeah, and uh, I think it's worth the consideration here. And I I like how the I like actually Laman and Lemuel's questions. I got one little profound thought and one kind of silly thought, but you know it's, it's really interesting. Verse twenty one, when he says, "What meaneth the thing which our father saw in a dream? What meaneth the tree which he saw?" Mm-hmm. And Nephi has a ton to say about this yeah. tree. I mean, it's Christ. It's, I mean, he has so much that he could teach them. And he says, it was a representation of the tree of life. <laughs> That's, <it. laughs> That's like, why such a then short they're moving answer? on to the rod of iron, right? <laughs> yeah. When he knows, when he knows so much, why such a short answer? And I mean, maybe he's teaching on their level. And um, then they ask what the rod of iron is. And he, I mean, there, here's another great scripture feasting verse, verse 24. You know, this is why we do this. This is why we want our students to know how to do this on their own mm-hmm. so that they can hold fast to it and receive those profound blessings of connecting with the word of God on their own and do that 
uh, while they're with us so that they can learn how to do it well. And then they'll do it after they're gone from us, you know, for the right. rest of their life. That's great. Um, then, so Nephi gives such a short answer about the tree of life, but when they ask about the river of water <laughs> that represents hell, let me tell you about to talk about. <laughs> so I'm not trying to tease Laman and Lemuel here, but it's just really interesting. That's excellent. Do we have uh what do you want to say about uh the last two days? The doctor the assess your learning on Thursday and doctoral mastery review. Are we even gonna have time for those this week? I mean, we, we can squeeze those in. What do you want to say about those? Yeah, so I do like in the assess your learning and Teachers, this would be good to consider. You know, there is a another little uh, kind of self-evaluation that's in there for the students to kind of talk about their own scripture study and their daily study of the Book of Mormon and how consistent they are with it or how they're liking it or is it teaching them. And so I like these self-evaluations. I think these are good for the students to do and for us to revisit the effort that we have to try to help them establish meaningful daily scripture study, um, especially of the Book of Mormon. And so that that part of that assess your learning uh, lesson is worth throwing in. And whether you mix that in with chapter 15 or in another place, um, that's kind of good. There are a few activities there that you could consider as well that they might want to review um, and and look at. On the doctrinal mastery part, um, there is a review here too. And this is this again is kind of you can make this big or you could be like, oh, we're out of time because we wanted to spend more time with First Nephi 11, 1 through 15. And so do what you want with that. But it is worth also having the students become familiar with these passages. And so we like these reviews, especially so that they can mark and begin to memorize um, some of these passages. And so that's where that doctrinal mastery lesson comes in. Yep. Excellent. All right, teachers. We hope you enjoyed uh, our podcast here, Mom, Sister Wing, person in Papua New Guinea. Until next time, everybody, we love your guts. Stay righteous. <laughs>